Final Fantasy VI for the first time, and that is a a bit of a minor mind blow for me. Since I've been playing RPGs for, (laughs) uh, I've been playing RPGs for more than twenty years, and Final Fantasy VI was one of my earliest RPG experiences. I really loved. Like it wasn't, it wasn't the first RPG I played. It was probably one of the first eight or nine. But uh, it's it was a, it was a seminal game to me that really shaped how I think about RPGs, and it's one of my all-time favorite games. And you didn't play it until 2016, so uh, <laughs> can you um, to first talk a little bit about the feature you wrote, and also just give me a, a very general impression of Final Fantasy VI uh, to you? Okay. Well, I mean. First of all, I guess I think I share a lot of the opinions. I hopefully I will share a lot of opinions with everyone. So the feature I wrote back in oh, it was earlier in the year I wrote it. Um, it took a couple of months to write because I just sort of had to compress everything down because I, like you say, it's a, for you it was a seminal RPG, and 22 years later it's still a seminal RPG, and I'm still sort of digesting everything that I thought about it. So when I wrote out my feature, it was kind of like a, okay, so why do I go back and play all these old games? But at the same time, how is this game still kind of relevant? And Final Fantasy VI is probably like the benchmark that I would think that probably even beyond the benchmark of what I would expect most games slash RPG slash Final Fantasy games to be like. So, I mean, I skimmed over quite a lot of stuff in my feature because it was kind of a joint, oh, this is why I love old Super Nintendo RPGs or PlayStation 1 RPGs. Um, and then sort of went into some of bits that I really, really liked, which I think we'll touch on a little bit, but we're going to try and look at mechanics as well because that's something that are really, they're really good and they form a really good base. But um, overall, I loved Final Fantasy VI and I probably, I wouldn't put it in like my top 10, but that might be. It's it's, it's in my top 10, which I. Oh, definitely. Which I made very clear in an earlier podcast that shall not be yes. named. Oh, the the one that shall not be named. The, uh, yeah, we won't even say the name because mm-hmm, that yeah. strikes fear into the hearts of retro encounter listeners. But um, yeah, I would definitely. It's not my favorite Final Fantasy either. I mean, it comes second on the list for definite. Um, it does so much right. Um, and I think it's probably just personal preference to why it's not really reached crack the top ten or crack like crack number one, which is nine. Which, um, but Final Fantasy six does so much right and we're gonna sing its praises and maybe even nitpick i mean i don't know what you think about i mean we'll get to the positives and negatives from your perspective because i know how much you like it so yeah we'll go for it and see sure now uh 
as to why it took you this long to play it, I mean, I'm sure there's there's, there's circumstances that play into it. I'm I'm about at least <laughs> I'm at least seven years older than you for one, and yes. uh, and you are a resident of the United Kingdom, and the UK did not get Final Fantasy VI until its PlayStation One version. Yeah, 2001. I remember getting a demo disc for it with Final Fantasy X, or at least a copy of it. Demo disc. That, that, is, yeah. that, is, that is a retro encounter, definitely. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? It's yeah. so good. And I remember playing it and thinking, oh, this is really cool, and then I just never got around to it. So, sure. shame on me. And well, and for me, it was... I mean, I mean, FF6 is one of the most popular games in the series, and I started playing RPGs during that square uh, 1990s heyday, and like it it was insisted that I play FF6 as someone that was trying out a bunch of RPGs <laughs> but um I I uh I, I see where you're coming from I like Final Fantasy 6 is tied for my favorite game in the series with FF Tactics 9 is 9 is in that top 3 or 4 probably it's uh I, I don't I, I find it difficult to rank Final Fantasy games after those first two yeah, but uh, <laughs> FF six was very important for where it was coming from as a series and where it was going as a series, because uh, mechanically, the first five Final Fantasy games, uh, two being a, a weird aberration, but they were either um, a class system where you your characters could freely change their stats and abilities by equipping classes, or an FF four yeah. where every character was very static and could only be built one way, and ostensibly each character in FF four was similar to a class in FF three. Yeah. And uh but FF six stayed away from these static characters and doesn't have a class system. Each character lives sort of lives in their own skin a little bit with a set with a uh, a set of Static skills, or a uh, you know a, a character-based set of abilities, and then a shared yeah. set of abilities and magic in in the FF6's magic system. So, and they they basically democratized summons and magic away from just the summoners and mages from uh, older Final Fantasy games, and sort of made er- and didn't over homogenize every character the way FF8 does, where everyone can basically be the same thing except for their limit breaks. <laughs> and, and is far away, and is very different from a class system like FF5s. So you you have these characters that feel unique but have this shared system and the maybe the most mind-blowing part of it is that there's 14 of them and each of them are unique within the story and feel unique as you play them. And uh and again that's maybe the thing that is that strikes is is the most striking thing to me about Final Fantasy 6 is that there's 14 characters and at least a 11 of them are fleshed out interesting characters with a real with a real story role. So Definitely. Yeah. So uh um what's your what's your impression of the mechanics and sort of the the how you use each character in FF6 uh, setting story aside for the time being? Um well, I think I agree with you. I think some characters are obviously um lean towards certain certain roles like even though um take terror terror is obviously going to be some sort of magic user they i will bring the story in briefly because she is built up to be this she's half esper half human so she's obviously got this affinity to use magic slightly better than everybody else and to interrupt you quickly like um tara and celeste you might think of them as similar magic users but unusually both of them can equip all of the best armor and swords in the game 
they can. Which is which is a which is sort of hilarious how they have these uh the two main characters able to who seem like mages but can equip stuff that only the hardiest warriors can. So, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, 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 that's fine. But yeah, so they're like, <laughs> there are certain characters who can lean towards magic, but ultimately the best thing to do is kind of spread everybody out. And what I find really interesting is often with. Um, Final Fantasy VI in particular, you kind of want to spread out roles a little bit more. So, whereas in, say, like, you've got Final Fantasy IV, uh, we'll go for because it's one of the preceding ones, uh, Rose is definitely a white mage archer character, mm-hmm. whereas in Final Fantasy VI, you're probably better off giving it to somebody like, I don't know, one of the... I think I tossed between Saban or Sabin, I don't know whether people go for French or anything, but I, I, or, I I'm used to calling him Sabin, but his Japanese Sabin. name is his Japanese name is Mashu, which is oh god, that's not is, helpful. Yeah, uh, not really, no. But I've, Sab- I've always I've always learned Sabin, but it could go either way. Yeah, Sabin's good, um, but yeah, usually I give somebody like Sabin who has a doesn't really have a big pool of MP, but you can use him to attack and then just think, oh, we'll take a breather and heal, or he's somebody. A men- he's a menu healer. <laughs> yeah, he's a menu healer. Um, or definitely like one of the brothers or um, any of the melee fighters because magic is really powerful in this game and definitely takes a, um, I think both story-wise, it's probably related to the story. Um, it is really important. and But I really love the way that every character, although you can sort of build them with this magic, they have, like you say, have got this like special ability each. So um, early on in the game, Edgar and Sabin are, Probably, well, throughout the whole game, Sabin and Edgar are probably the two of the best characters if you take the time to use them be- because of their abilities. So if you take the time to learn all of Sabin's abilities, he's a bit of a powerhouse. Um, and But everyone uses all the characters differently, which is really cool because... And with the final dungeon, you have to use everybody, but you have to spread out your roles. And I really like the final dungeon, actually. It might have been a bit of a slog, but... Um, I like the way they split the characters up, and no, so you I, have I, to I, use I agree. The, um, the, the yeah. final, the final dungeon, and one late game dungeon, the the Phoenix Cave. Both, oh. yeah, both both of those have you use multiple parties and then switch between them using up yeah. to eight characters in Phoenix Cave and up to twelve in the final dungeon, which yeah. is, uh, which is a, a bit, uh, maybe a little bit of a uh, of a shock if you've maybe only been using the same five characters the whole game, but it's uh. <laughs> But really, you know, um, puts the diversity and size of the cast of FF6 on a main stage. And both of those are really cool dungeons that are uh, n- not super challenging to navigate based on modern standards, but are, you know, the, both beasts of dungeons, especially within FF6. Yeah, it's nice to make you use everybody because up until this point, Final Fantasy's made you use four characters, five characters. So, like, one, you're using the same four classes, two, you've got. You swap between like about five or six people. It's been a while since I've tried it. And three classes. And then four and five. You Well, in the original four, you only have the last five people. So you have yeah, yeah, yeah. Cecil. Ex- yeah. If FF6 is the first one that is the first Final Fantasy game that had a character switching in and out mechanic. That's good. Where, uh, and some, some Dragon Quest games uh, before it had uh, <laughs> things like this. So I'm not, I'm not going to say it was the first RPG to do it. But in FF4, like you said, you um you have characters come and go, but you never have more than five, 
And in uh, and in FF five, you always have four characters on your team. And there's no yeah. uh, way to switch people in and out. But in FF six, your party size is four, and by the end of the game, you can have up to four, a minimum of three, but up to fourteen characters. <laughs> uh, I I won't explain why, since it's a, a very big spoiler, and, and we won't. Mm, well, should we talk about the the second world? You think is that all we right? Can... Oh, second world's fine, isn't it? It's like the big. The big spoiler, right. but everyone okay, knows I'll, about it. We will talk about it. I will give a spoiler warning before it, just in case there's eight people that haven't played FF6. <laughs> okay. Um, so where were we? Uh, so, oh, so multi-character yeah. dungeons. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so this is the first Final Fantasy game where you can switch characters in and out of your party, usually having them hang out at the airship. But uh, earlier in the game, it's at, uh, it's at I think, Arvis's house in Narsh. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, they they really encourage you to use almost all of this large cast and and uh, and experiment with the diversity of the cast, and it's super super cool. So, all right, uh, now I want to talk about characters because since this, I I, <laughs> I adore Terra and Celeste, and yes. maybe Locke even as major protagonists. And technically, I think if you recruit Saban early in the second world, I think he's actually in your party the longest out of anyone. Yeah, but it's exactly. so it's 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 not even easy to pin down who the main character of FF6 is, but it's it, I I remember just like the journey that Terra and Celeste have to make, where Cel, uh, Celeste is pressured into I'm sorry, Terra is pressured into being the ray of hope for this group of freedom fighters, and when the freedom fighters basically fail, Celeste ends up being the ray of hope, and yeah. then ha- and then has to. You know, uh, the second half of the game has has stars Celeste in in bringing the band back together, as it were. Yeah, and it, it's 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 so many cool story devices at, um, going on. I, I think hope is a metaphor that sort of goes through Terra, through Leo, through Celeste, and I I absolutely adore the thrust of the story and the cast. Um, what what were your reactions to Terra and Celeste in particular, and at, beyond them, like did you have a favorite character? Um, well, I think coming off of Terra and Celeste, I think it's really interesting how they're supposed to be, they're pushed into this kind of hero role and they can't deal with it. So Terra deals with it by running away and thinking, oh, shunning her kind of S behalf and going, I need to find a purpose. And mm-hmm. she finds that with the um, children in the, uh, I in see the thing is, yeah, in Mobilis, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's her reason. So she needs to find this reason to fight. And Celeste. She has a reason when she's sort of thrust into it, so she kind of loves Locke and wants to do something, but once the, well, okay, spoiler warning time, um, once the <laughs> world is destroyed, um, Celeste is kind of left in this position where she thinks, oh, everyone's dead. Um, she's on this island with her grandfather, um, and she's literally, the only thing she's doing is um, revive, trying to make him live and revive, like bring him back to life, but... I mean, really interestingly, and I didn't realize this until afterwards, you can save her grandfather. Uh, oh, oh, he died and you didn't realize it at first? No, I didn't realize you could save him. I was oh. like, oh, I'll try it. <laughs> so, yeah, he um, he passed. and But for the poignancy, I think it works because I think I agree. Terror and Celeste were my two favorite characters coming out of it because of how, like, they came through hardship and they were pushed through this kind of, you must be the ray of hope that everyone relies on. And... They do get through it. Um, but outside of the main cast, I do... I've got a soft spot for Realm because she's just mm-hmm. kind of adorable. And I love... Um, and I really like Shadow, but 
I did the really bad thing and didn't wait for him. Oh, and I felt I didn't realize you could. Oh. I absolutely didn't. And I'm so surprised because I knew so much going into the game. That you didn't so, know about that. Okay. And no. It, and, and full disclosure, you don't need much time on the clock to wait for him. Um, no. If you, you just have to, you have to say wait at least once and then get the, wait for the timer to get down to five seconds and then he'll come. Jesus. Yeah. And that was, I felt dreadful. I was like, he's not actually dead. And then I go, I like looked it up and was like, okay, he's dead. I was like, oh, okay. That's but him and, too. yeah. And especially because when you do a lot of realms quest, when you get her back in the world of ruin, you suddenly realize there's this potential, possibly shadow with realms father kind of thing. And it's just it, like, it, it's pretty, okay. This is a spoiler yeah. warning for listeners that are uninitiated. Uh, Shadow is definitely Clyde, realms, fa- realms father. Yeah. Uh, you uh, re- there's these there's an item called a memento ring that only the two of them can equip, and the description of it is a is a picture of realms mother. And uh, uh, and also yeah, uh, if you oh so, excuse me sorry that's fine I just remember that it's yeah. fine. And also <laughs> if you uh, if you have Shadow in your party and sleep at various inns at different sp- p- uh, parts of the game. You'll you'll see Shadow's dreams where he remembers his former life as a thief and uh, and reminisces also about his wife and daughter that he does who whom he doesn't know he doesn't he didn't really know Realm as a baby at all and she was raised by uh, her mother and and Strago her grandfather yeah so it's a yeah but there's a lot of hidden things like that in Final Fantasy VI's narrative there's it's a it's a large cast of characters. Uh, and even the characters that seem the least significant have these little hidden tricks about them. Uh, if I were to, yeah. there's two secret characters, Gogo and Umaro, that don't really have a ton of story attached to them. So, <laughs> so, so uh, other than those two, I think the two characters with like the least amount of story attention are probably Gao and Mog. Gao, yes. yeah, Gao is a wild boy that lives in that lives in the in the Velt, which is like a savanna, and Mog is a Moogle that just lives with a bunch of Moogles in Narsh. But if you but Gao, there's a scene with Gao where you can reunite him with his father, who's a who's a crazy oh, I per- love... yeah, who's a crazy yeah, person living uh living um I think northeast of the Velt. But you you encounter him, Sabin encounters him early in the game, and once you make the connection that Gao is that man's son, you can ha- see a reun uh, a reuniting scene that is just heartbreaking and mog has a thing if you go in the after the world is destroyed if you uh go to the uh if, if you find when you find mog and narsh she's the only surviving moogle and if you search the spot where mog was standing you find an item called the molulu charm yeah which, which well... is and and molulu is the name of the Ma, of the moogle that was standing next to mog in the past when they were standing so it's like Oh, Molulu was his wife or girlfriend, and and uh, and this and he has this charm to remember her by, and it, it's it's like it's like this is a, a character that has almost no dialogue except for Kupo, and is seems like almost a throwaway mascot character, but he has this little this little story moment that you can find if you dig around. It's it's remarkable how each of these characters gets a story shine when there's 12 major ones and two secret ones. It's, yeah. I, I love the cast of Final Fantasy VI. And my I personal d- favorite is probably Cayenne. The, uh, oh, yeah, yeah I do the, really like, yeah. I, I like him, the, uh, the the very fussy, technophobe samurai who misses his wife and son. <laughs> did, you, did you do the uh, the side quest with Cayenne and Doma, and Doma Castle in the, in the Second did. World? I did do all the side quests, yeah. So okay. yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a, 
That's a pretty intense side quest. Yeah, it was really frustrating as well, but the emotional intensity of it was great, and I loved his... Because it was a horrible story anyway, so when you found Kyan, um, the whole kind of... Kefka poisons the entire castle, so it's the kind of moment where you just go, oh my god. Yeah, right, like, right, right when you recruit Kyan, Kefka poisons the entire castle. Everyone dies except for Kyan, including Kyan's wife and son. And then yeah. in the second half of the game... Kyan's mind is attacked by these demons, and you have to jump in and rescue his, his soul from this demon inside Kyan's brain. And it's, it's crazy. It's awesome. I, I love that boss battle too. At the end, because you have your, uh, because the mate he'll possess one of your characters, uh, the, the yeah. demon, and you have to kill your characters to see if which one the demon is hiding in, and then revive them and deal damage to the demon before he possesses someone again. It's mecha- <laughs> mechanically a really cool boss Brilliant. battle. And it's uh, and the whole side quest is terrific. I love I love Kyan. I love FF6 in general. But also, yeah. I, I think when you talk about story and characters in FF6, the the biggest item at all that I, I, we've prob- we've inadvertently spoiled it already. But whatever, it's a twenty year old game. Is uh, <laughs> is Kefka the major the main antagonist of the game? Uh, successful succeeds in destroying the entire world right at the game's halfway point, and. In the second half of the game, starting as only Celeste, you have to recruit everyone, you have to find everyone in this post-apocalypse world, which is a, you know, the continents are all different, most of the towns are destroyed, some towns don't even exist anymore, like uh, uh, Vector's gone, I think, and a couple, yeah. a, a couple other uh, towns are just are just husks. And, but, and you sort of have to rediscover everything in the world again after the after Kefka destroys it with a basically an apocalypse beam called the light light of judgment. So (laughs) going in, did you, uh, did you know about that twist? Yeah, I did. It's quite famous, I think, but what I I didn't realize. Yeah. But like what I didn't realize, I knew the whole of the geography of the world changed, which I loved, but what it does is it kind of takes away this familiarity. So you get to the halfway point in an RPG and you're just like, somebody will tell you, Oh, I need to go to kind of, well, it's like, um, I don't know, the castle or Nosh. And you're like, oh, I know where Nosh is. So you do this for the first half of the game. And then all of a sudden some character's like, oh, I think something's going on in Colbez or wherever. And you're just like, oh, okay, I'll go there. And then you get out on the world map and you're like, no, wait, where's this place gone? And it's just, <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. And it doesn't help the fact that after the world's destroyed, I remember when Kefka was aligning the statues, I just sort of, like, had you been building up to this moment of Kefka poisoning people and betraying people and laughing at you while he does things and you just think how much do i hate him and kefka is like one of these characters that you love to hate but you love to love him as well because he's so brilliantly done as a villain and i think he's amazing and i love yeah i love the world of ruin and i love what he does to it so this kind of he doesn't want anything particularly he just wants to be god essentially and it's like he actually gets that and he gets that role and yeah wandering around the world of ruining it is crazy but like initially i've got to be honest i kind of hated it because where i was stuck with celeste like you didn't use celeste for ages for a while so you had celeste right up until terror didn't you and then when you get terror back you're just like oh terror's here let's build terror up and do everything and then you're stuck with celeste who's slightly underleveled and possibly a little bit weak um and you have no idea where everything is and you're stuck with her and um Sabin, I think, is the first. I think you have to get Sabin and you have to get 
Setsa? No, you um, you actually can skip getting Saban. It's I do not I do not recommend it, but it's possible to beat the game with only Celeste, Edgar, and Setzer. You, it's Edgar, yeah. Because yeah. you, you need to meet Edgar when you're traveling through South Figaro, and then you need to meet Setzer to get the second airship. But you, right. yeah, but um, it is possible to recruit Saban early in the World of Ruin, and I totally recommend it, because otherwise yep. the World of Ruin's way harder. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, going back to Kefka, I think it, it's easy to just compare him to other Agent of Chaos, like Megalom- insane evil characters, like a like your Luca Blights or your The Jokers. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> but uh and like I mean to paraphrase a line in from the movie The Dark Knight, some men just want to watch the world burn, which Kefka definitely does. I sure but does. In, in the in the in the plot points before the World of Ruin happens, you have these two characters that are both Imperial generals, Kefka and Leo, where Leo is this extremely uh likable human who cares about his soldiers. Terra might have a crush on him. He's trying to apologize for the Empire's actions and make the world a better place. And then you have Kefka, who is this insane evil person that uh, that just wants to just rend the world with magic. And right before uh, right before the you know Kefka ends the world, the Empire betrays Leo and and Kefka murders him brutally. And <laughs> and Basically, and I think that, you know, I was talking about motifs of hope earlier in this podcast. I think that, like, General Leo is a, is sort of represents the hope of, uh, of, you know, a more united world, and Kefka uh, represents despair. So you actually watch despair vanquish hope, and then despair destroy the world, and then you have to have your last ray of light of hope, Celeste, like, finally vanquish despair and maybe i've been playing danganronpa a little bit too much the past few weeks maybe i was gonna link it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I i think seeing like contrasting leo against kefka and then having kefka as this insane person who just loves watching people suffer as the main villain i think really works and which and it makes kefka a rather iconic villain in final fantasy history yeah, it's kind of a shame how they've, I don't know whether I can say this word, but bastardized him a little bit in, <laughs> like, the mod, in media now. Like, I just kind of look at him in Dissidia, and I'm just sort of oh, like, yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of just that. a goof in Dissidia. But he, he but he's, he, he's dark and evil and weird in the, uh, in, in the main game, yeah. Definitely. There's, oh, I was going to say, I feel like Leo is kind of, Leo for a while is a little bit not corrupt, but you can definitely see the kind of wavering kind of, I want to stick with the empire, but at the same time, what's going on? I need to do something. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, I was... he's a general for the bad guys, but yeah, he, he is obviously the honorable good guy in the oh, crowd yeah. of bad guys. Right. Definitely. And then you know, I always thought when they, um, the empire betrays Leo and goes off with Kefka, I'm always like, what do you see in Kefka? Like, what is it that Kefka does that makes you want to, do everything like just Kefka's so shifty like the first time you see him and oh what's it I'm um Figaro a castle Figaro when you see him and you're just thinking how is he a general like he's crazy he's absolutely insane and I just he's just the polar opposite to everybody else so yeah like you say yeah he might be like this kind of he's not the agent of chaos typical kind of thing but He's just so well done. Like everything about Kefka is great, and I can totally get why everyone's like, "Oh, Kefka's the best villain in the series," because he is probably. Yeah, at, at the very beginning of the game, he seems like a bit of a, of a buffoon, and uh, 
and they're setting <laughs> and it seems like they're maybe setting up Emperor Gestal as the main villain of the series. There's even yeah. a even in in the in a flashback where Tara learns about her heritage, you see Gestal murder murder her mother, which is which makes you dislike him quite a bit. But and it seems like Kefka is maybe just an early game lieutenant. He's uh, obviously bad, but not may- maybe not the most threatening villain compared to Gestal. But then <clears throat> Gestal betrays Leo. I think, and I think it's I think he sides with Kefka over Leo because Kefka wants to pursue the powers of the goddess and and exploit magic, but Leo doesn't. And, yes. and Gestal is very much on the side of of exploiting magic. Yeah, definitely. So the yeah. Magitek is kind of a joint effort between the two of them as well, I think. That might be making that bit up, but they're no, definitely... Well, um, the, the Magitek is... Uh, whatever. They, they uh, The Empire invaded the village of the Espers. They discover yeah. you can get magic from Espers. Then Vector in general, and Sid in particular, develop Magitek to try to, yes. to try to improve the world. Kefka is an early experiment subject that made him insane, but also gave him magic powers. Right, and and, yes. Le- and Leo declined magic experiments to give him powers. Uh, uh, Terra has magic power because she's the na- a natural half Esper, and Celeste has and magic Celeste. power because she was experimented on, like Kefka. But uh, yeah. yeah, ultimately Gestal sides with Kefka, and then Kefka betrays Gestal by killing him and then destroying the world. But, <laughs> but I, I think that Gestal wanted to rule the world with magic, and Kefka basically wanted to just just get as much power as and as possible and watch the world burn which just be god yeah 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 and kefka is it it doesn't seem like he's a great villain at first but he's very memorable and really an impressive final villain by game's end i i i think yeah. that kefka is the best villain in final fantasy history and yeah it, it's super good watching it all play out on the screen yep <sighs> So, I mean, the gameplay and characters and story in FF6 is all great, but you know what's also pretty great? The music. It's soundtrack. Oh, it's so good. The, the town themes are uh, are memorable, like, and some of them are really weird. Like, uh, <laughs> like, 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 the, like the Zozo theme has this twanginess to it that some that you don't really see anywhere else, and and yeah. Jador has this weird grandiose music to it. But I, I think that the strongest part of FF6's soundtrack is each character has their own music theme, and they're all they they use them almost like like entrance music and and. Uh, special dialogue uh like introduction introductory yeah, music yeah i love that that's so cool i love and, the and high, also, kind of like the so screen is black. cool too yeah it's just like not like i can't remember one of them off the top of my head but it's just essentially like a warrior of like who wants to save the world and wants the best for her or whatever else and it's mm. so good it's so cheesy but it's just like yeah i just want to get behind you like you're building up your rebel army and it's just like yes i want these people on my side they're so cool but i love the character themes and i think obviously everyone knows about terror's theme which is the world map theme although in a way i kind of assume that awakening is her theme as well so i think it's mm. track three on the soundtrack oh i, 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 of... I don't know them by track numbers i'm afraid <laughs> but uh but yeah, it's one of the first tracks you hear, so it's after the opening and the title sequence where she wakes up in um, Arvis's room and this kind of really soft music plays, and it's always this kind of like Terra's self-doubt, so whereas Terra's theme is kind of Terra trying to be this beacon of light, the Awakening theme is kind of her kind of looking at herself going, am I an Esper or a human, or what do I need to fight for, or am I doing the right thing kind of thing, and I really like that that's the thing, but like, oh, I just... 
could go on about the music for this game, but let's carry on. Go on, go ahead. No, 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 no we're we're still on the music for the time being. I, uh, <laughs> I I love the music in the game. I think the character themes stand out the strongest because um I, I uh, all right let me back out a little bit. Part of why I love game music is because it attaches context to songs, and a, a player that likes the music and likes the game can you know enhance his uh, his or her enjoyment of both by attaching the music to context and yeah. th- there's almost no easier better way than att- than creating context for songs than giving it a theme to a character or town that Im- that immediately evokes that that person or location and in ff6 they just do it so brilliantly yeah and maybe my favorite musical moment in ff6 is a very iconic scene is the opera in the first half of the game <sighs> yeah where um they're trying to bait out this uh this adventurer named setzer and they're doing so by uh, by they replace um, the opera singer Maria with with Celeste, who mysteriously looks just like Maria. And you have to play through this opera as Celeste and make sure you get your line, making sure you get your lines right and move in the right way. And the opera is an operatic version of Celeste's theme, which is That's this, so which great. is this very, it's called Aria di Mezzo Caratere, and I and I don't speak Italian, so that was said incorrectly, and I, I apologize. <laughs> But it's um, it's just a beautiful rendition of Celeste's theme, which is which is this very sweet, you know, major key uh, song, and getting it in an opera version with this, you know, this heist in the background that ends up in a boss fight against an octopus in the rafters. On, oh, it's on perfect. Stage. It's like what? Well, what do you want for an opera, really? <laughs> it's completely crazy, but also amazing. And oh man, I. I love the opera scene and all of the opera stuff in FF6. That's brilliant. I love the blend of styles that Final Fantasy VI has in music terms. Like, even like the final boss theme, Dancing Mad, has got so much going on in it. You want to talk just... about a legendary boss battle theme? Oh boy! Yeah. We'll talk about however long twelve minutes of Dancing Mad or however long it is. But oh boy, like the musical styles in this game are amazing. Like you have Shadow's theme is almost kind of Western and it's so cool. Like you definitely get this kind of worldly wanderer. And, and um, Gogo's theme sounds like the you know the music you would expect inside of a pizzeria. <laughs> yeah, I see that definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. if you want to describe Gogo, then just play his theme, and you're just oh, I get it. I think I I, I don't get it. I think <laughs> I think Gogo's a little difficult <laughs> to surpri- to uh, to explain. Oh, but um, oh, I guess a small tangent here. Um, what do you think Gogo's real ident- true identity is? Because oh wow, okay. okay yeah. um, I don't. You're probably not. You probably have not been following Final Fantasy VI forums and theories for a decade for decades like I have. No. But uh, the, up there, there's uh, several popular fan theories as to who Gogo could be. And first of all, straight up, Gogo is just a cameo from FF5. There's a mimic character in FF5 named Gogo yes. who you fight to get the mimic class, and Gogo is a playable version of that character. But many people believe. Uh, that Gogo could be a character from FF6 in uh, uh, like uh, the return of a character from FF6 in disguise. The most popular theories being that Gogo is Setzer's uh, long lost girlfriend Daryl, because Daryl's oh. Daryl's ship crashed on the island where you find Gogo. Oh my or, God! Or or Gogo could be the Emperor Gestal because you fight you fight Gestal on, on the floating continent and then he falls to Earth with his. Uh, with his um, whereabouts unknown, and it could be an amnesiac guest doll. And 
shoot, is there an, uh, what's the other big theory? Uh, I like the Daryl one, actually. Because yeah, the, the Daryl was... one's probably the most popular one. But... Yeah, she's so mischievous and so kind of, mm -hmm. I'm going to beat you, everything set. So I love that. Oh, I love all the backstories. We've and, and no, and also, I think, um, at, at least in the Super Nintendo version, the uh, the Go-Go's little two lines that you see upon meeting Go-Go are, what is this person wrapped in uh, wrapped in mysterious robes? A man? A woman? Or should we ask? And yeah. It's, it's, and so Go-Go's um, gender is explicitly left unknown, and is Gogo really Daryl is a popular theory. Oh, and the other the other one is Bannon. Uh, Bannon, the, oh, yeah, Bannon yeah. The, the leader of the uh of the Freedom Fighters, uh, they're called the Returners <laughs> at the begin at the beginning of the game. Uh he's also whereabouts unknown in the second half, so Gogo being an amnesiac Bannon is also a popular theory. Oh, but yeah, I so um I, I I basically think Gogo's supposed to be an FF5 cameo, but I welcome wacky theories about him being Daryl or Gestalt. Yeah, I love some good Final Fantasy theories when they're good, and those are quite good ones, definitely. <laughs> I think Daryl I mean, ha holds the most water because that that is the island where Daryl's airship crashed. Yeah, which is oh, I... uh, which is a, a log logical enough connection. Yeah, but it's, I never it's, it's fun to talk about at least. <laughs> wow, I mean, I never, I didn't really use GoGo, and actually, I think something that I want to ask you, and going back to the kind of mechanics of the game, is oh, I can talk about there are... six mechanics forever. <laughs> so keep, yeah, lay it on me. Well, like, there are quite a few characters, although we were talking about the kind of non-standard class characters. You have Gao, Gogo, and I would, I can't remember who else, but they're two particular characters who, well, Gogo's definitely the mimic character, so you can use him however you want, but mm -hmm. Gao is, I suppose, a berserker slash blue mage kind of character. Yes. Um, that, that, that's a very good way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, like, between the two of them, like, do you ever use them and kind of, like, because everyone loves to use Gao, and I couldn't really be bothered to put the time or the effort in, which is probably sacrilege to admit to somebody who likes no. Final Fantasy VI. And, like, I mean, did you ever use him? And, like, how did you use him, I guess? And... Okay, I I've used both, because I I've played FF6 several times. And at least, yeah. um, oh, I, I don't play it over and over, but I've played it at least four or five <laughs> times. Okay. And Gao and Gogo -Go are two of the most powerful characters if you know how to use them. And yeah. um, Gao requires a lot of effort, and Gogo -Go requires considerably less effort. But uh, <laughs> Gao is powerful because you have to. Um, Gao learns what are called rages, and I, I know you know this, but I'm doing this in case someone in the audience doesn't remember. <laughs> uh, rages where you have to encounter an, a monster on the Velt where Gogo -Go is from, and any monster that you've encountered in the game can appear on the Velt, except for some bosses. And uh, Gao by by like leap by jumping on the monster and being absent for a few battles and then rejoining you can learn all of the abilities of that monster. But in order to use that ability, he has to go into a rage where he goes berserk and just attacks using the skills of that monster for the rest of the game. Yeah, it was. I just found it a lot of effort, especially where you have to. I mean, I like the idea of it, like the kind of you fight it. It's kind of like the Monster Arena in 10, I guess, where you fight it, and then it goes to the Velt, and then you go and fight it in the Velt, and you learn something from it. Yeah. No. But yeah, Gat was like somebody I couldn't really... like. I I made sure he was strong enough to do things, because I had to use him, because, you and, know, I well, killed Shadow. So. Yeah, well, the, the funny thing about Gao is that his stats are above average, and, yeah. his, um, and uh, probably more than half of those rages are useless. But <laughs> if you... Uh, <clears throat> my, my throat's uh, been... A little bit bothering me today. But if you uh, 
if you pick out specific rages that you know are good and have Gao learn those and use them consistently, then he'll be your best fighter or your best mage. Because he can use a lot of attacks that no one can use or a lot of rare blue mage blue magic that a bunch of people that uh, people can't use. And yeah. uh, like the one uh, one famous rage that you can get right when you when Gao joins you is the stray cat rage. <laughs> because the, the uh, stray cat has an attack that deals eight times physical damage. Wow, and if you yeah. just ha- if you just have Gao on your team using the stray cat rage all the time, he'll de- he'll just be a, a physical monster. And uh, there, there's late game ones where he can uh, he can heal the party to max and throw shields and everyone at all times, or uh, which I, I think is the magic pot rage, but I could be forgetting, I could be misremembering that. Oh, okay, yeah. But there's there's if you like by spe- by seeking out specific monsters for him to leap and then use in rage are. Make, make Gao extremely powerful, but again, it's a that's a lot of effort because you have to sit around the velt waiting for these rage for these monsters to appear, and uh, and and it's it's hard to do that and know ahead of time which ones are good and which ones are bad, and his the list of rages that he has is over two hundred, which is a daunting number. And then it's remembering what each one does as well. Yeah, but, yeah. So, so if you have like a guide open, and you oh, yeah. can check which ones are good, then Gao is extremely useful. But if you don't know any of that and don't check references, then Gao is doesn't seem like very good. But also the also another reason he's good is the uh, the strongest ar- armor in the game is a uh, an item that you get only in the arena called the snow muffler, and the only yes. yeah the only people that can equip it are Gao, Mog, and Umaro. So <laughs> so that that's another reason Gao's good. And Gogo he's not useful for the same reason Gao is. Well, okay, he is useful for the same reason Gao is in that he can do a lot of things. But and I'm gonna use masculine pronouns because that's easiest for for me, I guess. Yeah. But because Gogo can use every single sub skill in the game except for summon and morph, that's incredible. Like um, being able to use all the defensive magic that set that Strago can, and all of the offensive skills that Cayenne, Sabin, and Edgar can, and all of the magic that your party collectively knows, and repeat skills for free using his mimic ability is yeah. crazy. You, like you you. Gao is I'm mean, not Gao. Gogo is a ready-made character that's a combination of 10 other characters which <laughs> right. even though his stats are on the low side be, being able to use so many skills at once is hugely useful. So again, um if you really if you this is your first time with the game and you maybe don't totally know what you're doing, Gogo will seem weird and and tricky, but really Gogo is just just as incredibly powerful as anyone else. Yeah, I think if you manage to keep everyone alive, then you can kind of just pop Gao and Gogo to one side for, like, the last dungeon. But, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, which is a bad thing, but, like, it's a good way to sort of get used to the base game or the main mechanics. But um, they are really interesting. Like, I did definitely play around with Gogo a little bit. Um, I think one of his best builds is to do with Shadow anyway, so oh, I didn't oh, really uh, get to play throw. around. Yeah, for throw, yeah. definitely. Um, but he was a really, really interesting character, and I just wanted to kind of hear, like, how you use them. And, like, it's always been... Like, Final Fantasy's always been, like we said, up to six. It was kind of like, this is what this character does. This is what this character does. Oh, you can change them, but you kind of need them all to be in a different role, whereas in this one, you can just swap them around and do whatever you want with them, I guess. And all of um, them are unique and cool and have a real story role, and as opposed to, you know, just being four Onion Knights. <laughs> yeah, Final Fantasy 3 is... Oh, I don't know. I just... Yeah, uh, yeah I don't get on my Final Fantasy 3 very much. <laughs> the, hmm. the remake of it was alright, but it's... uh, it's. 
I'm not going to say it's as good as six or four or five or anything after three, really. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got a special place for four as well. So four was my first yeah. RPG, so I I really like. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like four. It was like my first old Final Fantasy. So yeah, sure. definitely. Well, we have talked a lot about Final Fantasy VI over these the this past forty five minutes or so. So um, let's see, we've hit the characters, we've hit the story, we've hit the music, we've hit the mechanics. Uh, is there any takeaway for this? Do you do you wish you had played it earlier? Does playing it make you interested in other Final Fantasy stuff? Uh, like, uh, give me uh, put a bow on it for me. What do you what do you how, what do you think of Final Fantasy VI now in context with the rest of the series? Um, I definitely wow. Like um. Okay, that's, yeah, a, that's a huge question. <laughs> and I apologize, no, but do your best. No, anyway. no. <laughs> um, like. I can definitely see it. It's definitely still one of the best in the series, and I can see why people put it on this huge power grid and definitely would agree that I prefer it to seven. I mean, with me putting it a second as a start, it's just kind of saying how well it's held up. Like, there's so much it does that so many games haven't done or don't do. So, like, as much as I didn't like the World of Ruin bit where you split up and you're kind of lost... Like, how often are you left to your own devices? Like, you can either do the final boss with a party of three, which is essentially going to be a party of one for the whole... <laughs> right, right. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like one person to a group for the final dungeon, right. Yeah, or you can do all 14 people or 12 and then split it up into three groups of four. Then you've got, like, the fact that... Well, I think one of the things that put me off of six for so long was such a... Like, 14 characters is a hell of a lot, and the kind of micromanaging of them all is a bit daunting but it's quite easy to get into but like when it just does them so well like there's 14 characters 12 of them are written into the story very convincingly and all develop like and so many rpgs nowadays just leave there's always like three central characters and the rest are like you can just support the main character or you can just like buff up the main character and do this or and maybe maybe they have one town where they have a bit of a story spotlight but yeah yeah, and this, FF6 is 14 of them. <laughs> but, like, everybody, yeah, every single character has got a stake in it, in the, in the story, and you've got a stake in the story as well. Like, the minute the world dis- is destroyed, I don't think I've ever felt more like a, not more like a failure, but I've never felt more like I've just screwed up, kind of, what have I done, kind of thing. Like, the world's destroyed, you've just kind of left, like, so what do I do now? Like, I've got to either rebuild the world or thing and you kind of think it's the end but like final fantasy 6 is there's so much it's done that oh i just get so annoyed that so many other games haven't done or don't do as often and i think contextually in the series it's i think overall is the best uh but like personal preference otherwise to nine which was my first final fantasy anyway um so, and I've replayed it a few times and just kind of fallen in love with it. But like six probably does characters the best because, like you said, there's no one main character. Like, and then every single one of them has got a different meaning to it, and it's just really great. And go and play it. I think it's an RPG. I think like Chrono Trigger, you have to kind of play it. I feel like it's one of the ones where you have to sit down and go right. I'm gonna sit through. 30 hours, however long it takes you, because some people can do it in, like, 25, and some people can do it in, like, 50, but, yeah, I mean, go and play it is kind of what I want people to do. It's great. Really, really great. 
Yeah, I I mean I totally agree. It's uh I think FF six and Chrono Trigger and I don't know maybe your Secret of Mana as well and Super Mario RPG. Th- those games are all made in the same two years. It's just crazy and, and, when you think like about that, it. That golden age of Square is, in my in my very biased opinion, sort of a, a golden age of, of RPGs in general. And FF six is just a mult a must play game for fans of the genre. And in the context of Final Fantasy in general. It's kind of a turning point game because we we talked about how the uh, games before it were all either married to a class system or with very static characters, and the games after FF6 introduced these systems like Materia and Junctioning and the Sphere Grid, where it turns a lot sort of turns everyone into an everyman kind of character. Yeah, and FF6 strikes that balance so perfectly, and also has this terrific cast and compelling story that has some genuinely uh, shocking turns if you're not expecting them already. Even if you are, I think they're still shocking. It's the, <laughs> it's the experiencing them, I think. That's kind of really cliche to say, but it is the kind of living through them and you go, like when the world's destroyed, when the opera, you know, Ultros. Ultros uh, is kind of a thing to be beheld, kind of like you see Ultros in 14. Explaining, or... explaining Ultros does not... Yeah, it, it does not really do Ultra's justice. <laughs> no, it's kind of like Gilgamesh. If you see Gilgamesh everywhere, it's fine. Like, you can't really explain it, and Ultra's kind of falls into that camp. And is it Typhon as well? The kind of... I don't remember, but there's a boss that's really... I might even be thinking of Chrono Trigger as well. But there's a boss in Chrono Trigger and in Final Fantasy VI where they're just so weak that they just kind of run off crying, and they're like, oh no. But, like, there's so much in it that you have to kind of you hear about and you're like oh this is famous it's legendary and then you go and play it and it's like now i get it (laughs) all right well uh it was a delight talking about ff6 with you alana thank you for agreeing to let me rant at you and then and ask you questions about this (laughs) game that you recently just finished and uh, thank you and thank you listeners for sticking with us for this hour it's uh i love talking about ff6 and it was so much fun recording this and uh, please continue to listen to Retro Encounter for uh, m- way more cool uh, RPG discussion and game journals. I'm not I'm not sure exactly when we're re- releasing this, but you've probably heard us talk about Danganronpa a little bit in the previous month, and I think Child of Light in the upcoming month. So look yeah. forward to that. And uh, Alana, where can uh, listeners find you? Oh, uh, well, um, I'm Diving Falcons on the boards or mm-hmm. Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Alana Haig. So, yeah, come and talk to me about come and talk to me about Final Fantasy VI, really. Uh, no, just talk to me about anything. I'm <laughs> always up for things. Cool. Go for it. And I'm Monsoon on the boards and at the real Monsoon on Twitter. So, uh, once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for talking.